0: The Jeff Dean show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos. Desert diamond is true. Tucson Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean show starts now.
1: Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean show. I am Jeff Dean here with you and, it is 8.03 on your Wednesday morning, May the 11th, 2022. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or an Alexa-enabled device, I do appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show. We also have our podcast that comes up, uh, comes out every single day. We get those up on uh, whether it's on ESPNTucson.com where you can find the link or you can go find it on wherever you like to download your podcast from. Uh, Just search out The Jeff Dean Show, and there you will find it. Regardless, how you're listening, I appreciate you tuning in here to The Jeff Dean Show. I know that you have a choice of where to get your sports news information, entertainment, opinions, uh, and I appreciate you choosing The Jeff Dean Show here every single weekday from 7 to 9 a.m., Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Now, speaking about local, there was an interesting transfer portal made Uh, Yesterday, late afternoon, as Adia Barnes just continues to, uh, the the amount of talent that she's able to amass, it is, as. listen, I've said this before, I'll, I'll say it again, I think she's the best recruiter on campus. I think she's the best of all of the coaches that Arizona employs at just being a fantastic recruiter. She proved it when she was an assistant at Washington, getting all the best players in the country to go up to Seattle to go play for the Huskies. And when she got the head job here, she has been nothing but spectacular in getting the best talent to come to Tucson to play for – well, they played for a national championship two years ago, uh, but to play for a program who really has not been noticed on the national circuit ever. (laughs) So yesterday – no, you know, it's it's been discussed, obviously, the huge mass exodus of transfers leaving the program. Uh, you know, there were so many of them, six of them, right? With uh, players going to schools in conference, like Ben Duyany going to Oregon State, uh, Nettie Vonlay going to Colorado. It's been a rough offseason as far as exits go. But... Adia Barnes has been able to add a few players. We mentioned Lauren Fields from Oklahoma State a couple of weeks ago. Last week, she got uh, West Virginia, one of one of the best players on that side of the country, in West Virginia's Esmerie Martinez, who was going to go play for LSU, and we all know what kind of a power they are uh, in women's basketball, got her to flip her commitment and transfer to Tucson instead, come all the way across the country and come to Tucson. Well, yesterday, a coup occurred In the state of Arizona as Jade LaVille, who was Arizona State's leading scorer last year and by a lot. She was the only player on the entire team who averaged in double digits in points. And she averaged almost 17 points a game last year for Charlie Turner Thorne. She is now coming over to play for the Wildcats. She's going to make the trip down the I-10, about 90 minutes away and come play and try to win a championship with this particular basketball program this upcoming season for Adia Barnes. An absolute huge get for Adia. Uh, LaVille is a a guard. She's 5'11", guard forward, so right there on the, you know, kind of a a swing player, wing player, if you will. But she averaged 16.5 points per game, 2.5 rebounds in her only season in Tempe. Previously, she was at Boise State uh, before transferring to Arizona State last year for her one season. She had a great game against Arizona in the uh, in Arizona State's win against the Wildcats earlier this year. Twenty seven points in that game. Pretty sure that caught uh, Adia Barnes' attention. Now, a lot of people are somewhat uneasy about this. I'm guessing as, an, uh, you know, a player from Arizona State transferring to Arizona. Let's not, you know, let, let's let's remember though that that. Jade was a uh, a commit to Boise State originally. She transferred to Arizona State last year. Played one year for them. So it's not like she was committed to the Sun Devils out of high school and played there for three years and now she's transferring to to Arizona. That's not that's not the case. So I don't I don't have an issue with that. But the, the the transferring of players inside conference is astounding. The amount of players that have that have transferred within the conference and not just in women's basketball. Look at what what Jed Fish did with with Arizona football. Two of the best players are going <clears> to <throat> Pardon me. Two of the best players that Arizona's going to have on the field this year transferred from UCLA and USC. In conference, in division. This this particular player, Jade Laville, transfers in-state from the rival to the rival. But hey, Arizona got better for it and I think that might I think that's it. I think she, that might round out Adia Barnes' roster uh, for the upcoming season, and it is a it is a spectacular one. I'll be honest. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona is picked just behind Stanford in the uh, in the preseason poll this year, and I, I think it's going to be close. If People are buying into the freshmen that Adia Barnes is bringing into this program, and there are four really, really good ones coming in. And you include the the three transfers, the big time transfers that Adia has gotten this offseason as well, including uh, you know and, and, and added in with the players that are that are sticking around in this program. It is a it is a, a, a an interesting roster. It's got a, a lot of young players and a lot of new pieces. And like I said earlier with Eric Spolstra able able to put together a bunch of players who don't know each other and able to ball out, and the way that Dana Altman does the same thing at Oregon, be able to assemble a ton of new players for one year and get them, hell, got them to a Final Four at one point. Adia Barnes is going to have to show her coaching ability now, right? I mean, we know that she is a relentless recruiter and one of the best, probably the best on campus as far as recruiting goes. Now she's going to have to flex her coaching muscles and she's going to have to get those girls all tugging the rope in the same direction. And it's not going to be easy because there are three transfers coming in, girls who were superstars at their previous program. Jade LaVille led her team in scoring last year, as did Esmerie Martinez at at West Virginia, as did Oklahoma State's Lauren Fields. These were the best players on their team. And now they're going to come in and play – a part of a team role they're not going to be you know the go-to scorer on their particular team now so that's going to be an interesting an interesting feat for adia barnes and her coaching staff i have full full faith in in her to be able to do that uh but great news for uh for arizona basketball arizona women's basketball yesterday as uh, they get a, a one more transfer this time a big one from a rival and look anytime you can make yourself better and make asu worse that's a win-win. And I know a lot of people aren't, they're, they, they're not super comfortable, you know, and all this, but uh, celebrate it. This is not, again, this is not a, a lifelong ASU recruit here. This is just somebody who transferred uh, last year and played one year for them. Also, uh, men's basketball, as the uh, the NBA gears up for their NBA draft, the NBA draft combine, which starts next was it start Monday? I think it does? The 16th, whatever. It, it's, a, it's a week-long combine, and a lot of players get invited uh, to, obviously to the, to the draft combine as there's uh, a lot every single year. a lot of you know these are all essentially players that you would expect to see drafted on draft day. They don't, they don't just invite you know 1,700 players are going to enter their name into the NBA draft. 1700 don't go to the NBA combine. about 75 go to the combine. That's it. Three of those 75 – sorry, it's 76 this year. 76, there. it's See it right here. Um, three of the players of those 76 are Arizona's players who have declared for the draft this year, two of them being players who have hired an agency and are not going to be returning to school, one of them who has left his options open, who has begun to climb the ranks of – some of the, the mock drafts, and some of, the, um, some of the big boards there by the, the guys who are you know the, the, the Mel Kuypers of the NBA world. Now, Sham Sharanya, he put out his, uh, the, the entire participants list for the NBA Draft Combine, and it included Benedict Matherin, Christian Coloco, and Daylon Terry. All three of them on the list. All three of them will be participating in the NBA Draft Combine. And look, I know Wildcat fans are upset they wanted to see Christian Coloco come back because of how meteoric his, his improvement has been over the last two seasons, and we would certainly like to see where that goes next. We're going to have to watch it in the association because that's where he's going, guaranteed. He, he will be drafted uh, at, the, at the NBA draft uh, in either the first or the second round, and I, I honestly think that there's a, there's a philosophy in the NBA that is starting to change a little bit if you're going to – every every team needs a seven-footer. Every team needs one. you you, you got to have one, whether he's starting for you or whether he's coming off the bench in your first three rotation. Every, every team needs one. You have to have somebody that can protect the rim when you have teams that just continue to attack and attack and attack. You have to have somebody stay at home. But there are also plenty of situations where now where teams are, are running out four guards and a center who can shoot the three ball – that you need a seven-footer who's also athletic. And I think that the philosophy defensively for a lot of teams in the NBA when choosing a center are going – this is why Kofi Coburn has not been drafted and is not, has not ranked highly on NBA draft uh, assessments, essentially. Like when, when he's been given his draft grades, he's been given draft grades in the 50s and 60s because – he can't step out on uh, on the perimeter and guard an athletic center or even, you know, a power forward or a three. And if he gets switched on a guard, he's going to be put in the blender and mixed up and left for pieces. It, it, it's he, he, can't, he can't hang in the NBA defensively. But a guy like Christian Coloco can. He proved it. He was out there blocking shots on three-point attempts last year for Arizona. Did it numerous times and showed that he's athletic enough to get into a defensive stance and guard guys who are going to be ball dominant guards in the league. So he has shown an ability to do that and I think there is a little bit of a philosophy shift in the NBA that's going to be going that direction. And I think Christian Coloco I know that some of the a lot of the mocks have him in the at the mid 30s to the 40s. I think he goes sooner than that. I'll be honest with you. I, th- I think there's I think there are teams out there that look and see what is working in the NBA right now, where you've got uh, okay, you got a guy like Robert Williams in Boston right now. He's hurt right now, but extremely athletic, a guy who can protect the rim, but also gets out on the perimeter, able to guard some of your wing players and your perimeter players, and able to to handle a switch in the NBA, where, where teams can't create that instant mismatch by getting the big on a guard, guys like DeAndre Ayton who have been spectacular in the league defensively for the last two seasons because of his athleticism, his ability to go out and guard the perimeter. There are others in the league as well, and I think the league is starting to shift a little bit. We're seeing a trend, and I think that's why Christian Coloco is going to be taken higher than a lot of these other people say that he will. Now, I know that Arizona fans wanted to see him back and return, and I wanted to see him return as well. I love Christian. I love seeing him in an Arizona uniform, but we're going to have to watch him in the NBA next year. That's just, that's just well, that's a pill we're going to have to swallow. We know that Benedict Matherin, he's going to ball out next year. He's going to be a very good player in the NBA. I have no, I have no doubts, no doubts about Ben. Now, Dalen is the interesting one because I think a lot of people just assumed that he was going to be returning to the Wildcats this this season. And I would have agreed with you up until about the final three weeks of the season, because Dalen showed that he once he started gaining a little more confidence. Look, I've been watching Dalen for years, high school all the way up until where he's at now. He's always been a a, a an an average to above average ball handler. Okay, for a kid his size. He's been a ball dominant guard. He's been asked to be the point guard in a lot of situations. And in last year's team, uh, you know, last year's, you know, iteration of of Tommy Lloyd's offense, he was a distributor a lot of times. He was the point man. Even when Kerr was on the was on the court, a lot of times the ball went through Dalen Terry's hands. He's shown a a real knack for being able to be that kind of point three that teams are you know really interested in in the nba nowadays another another ball handler who can do a lot of things that isn't necessarily a great shooter although he has shown the ability to knock down a jumper from anywhere uh he doesn't take a whole lot of shots he, he wasn't asked to do that he wasn't he wasn't a guy that was going to put up 10 field goal attempts a game for for arizona he's just not that guy and he may not be that guy in the nba either but with his length defensively and the things that he can bring to you, he can guard every position except for the five on the on the floor. And as I just mentioned, with the stretch fives that are out there, you can certainly put him out there and let him, you know, try to get a body on somebody or at least get a hand in the face and, and still be able to uh to be able to contribute defensively if he gets switched on to a big. He is starting to move up the draft boards. Like I know his dad, you know, Al, he posted last night on Twitter and I don't remember who the uh, who the NBA uh, scout was that had put this out there, but they have Dalen Terry as the number twenty two player in the draft. Twenty two, <laughs> that's like that's that's a considerable leap from where he was when the season when the college season ended, where we expected him. You know, we we said okay, he's he's probably in the mid forties. Um, I, you know, he, he's one of those players that's difficult to gauge at the next level. Because there are so many like him, there are so many players that are six foot seven and long and can defend and can ball, you know, can handle the ball and need to jump, need to work on their jump shot. But you know, Dalen's very explosive off the floor, and he's got a great mentality. He's got a great nose and a, a great mind for basketball. He's got that, he's got that IQ. You know, um, you, you see Dalen in the right spots a lot of times, which is great. You know, obviously you want to see that. So, I think all three guys get drafted. I really do, and I don't think any of them get drafted beyond like 40, 42-ish. You know, Dalen may slip a little bit because there are other players that put up better numbers in college that play the same position, same size, all that kind of stuff. If if a team is looking for somebody who's a little more well-rounded, can handle the ball and play defense, then he's going to draw more interest from those types of teams. So, uh, you know, I, I fully expect all three to be drafted. And uh, Arizona's basketball team again will look drastically different next season roster wise because we're used to it. This is not the first time that the team has been successful and has had great players that have gone off to the association. Okay, we we should be used to it by now. Arizona fans get all all you know in a tizzy when players leave the program. Oh, he should be coming back. He should be coming back. Listen, he's going to get great coaching at the next level, and he's going to get paid to do it. So. What what's wrong? Let's let's celebrate our players in the league. And look, Arizona fans do a great job of that. I'm not I'm not saying that, that you guys don't, that that we as Arizona fans we often root for teams that have our players, that have representation of Arizona basketball on them. Which is why you see a lot of people rooting on the Warriors because just simply who their head coach is, right? People want to see Steve Kerr win. People want to see Andre Iguodala win. And it happens all across the league. Now I don't Hopefully none of you are rooting for Josh Green right now in the Dallas Mavericks. He's just coming off the bench in uh in mop-up duty anyways. But Arizona fans do a great job in my opinion of supporting their players once they get to the league. They 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 throw a little a little tantrum when they decide to jump. They can't believe you would leave Arizona basketball before we think it's ready, before we think you're ready to go. Uh but uh nonetheless, the the uh the program is what it is and it is an nba farm system i mean it is it is an nba proving ground at arizona and that's what we do and we should be able to accept and celebrate this because we're going to have three guys in the league next year three guys are going to get drafted and uh, three of our guys are going to be representing the University of Arizona in the NBA last year uh, next year and I think all three of them will represent very very well. I think they all get they're all going to get playing time. They're all ben, ben Matherin's going to start right away. Like whatever team drafts him, they'll start him. You have to. He's 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 that influential of a player. I've seen him slip down as far as like number 11 or 12 to like the Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks would love to have Benedict Matherin. They would it it would be like watching the Detroit Lions run that card up there with nine and a half minutes remaining on the clock with Aiden Hutchins' name on it. It's it's the no-brainer. If Benedict Matherin slips all the way to the New York Knicks, they will run, run to the podium with that card in their hand. Here, 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 here you go. <laughs> we want Benedict Matherin. Why ten teams would pass on him is beyond me. But... Hey, look! That's good. That's motivation, right? Players can use that as motivation. Benedict's got that. He's he's got that in him. So we'll look forward to that, and we'll keep you apprised of any kind of news and stuff that comes out from uh, from the boys as they prepare for the uh, for the NBA draft combine, which again starts on May 16th and will run for uh, for six days. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk some NFL. Tom Brady, and it'll be announced yesterday, going to be the lead analyst for Fox Sports once he decides to hang it up in the NFL could the contract numbers that Fox has offered him entice him to leave a little bit sooner than he anticipated. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean show.
0: The Jeff Dean show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos. Desert diamond is true. Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean show on 1490 AM, one Oh four nine FM ESPN Tucson. Tucson.
1: You know, NBA playoffs still in full swing, as is the Major League Baseball season, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, all going on right now. And because of that, you can start doing some really cool combo bets that they call SGP Plus on on, uh, on FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook offers the SGP Plus program, which basically allows you to put same-game parlays together Different props, player props, whatever have you, home runs, points scored, rebounds, goals scored, goal attempts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And you can mix the sports together to create this really super uber cool, high odds, uh, high yield type type of bet. And you can only do it on FanDuel. You can combine NBA playoff player props with all kinds of other things going on just like I've done over the last couple of weeks and enjoyed and had some fun doing it whether it's picking players hit home runs or picking over-unders in Major League Baseball, sprinkling that in with a Devin Booker 25-point game and a Suns win, and then going along with a Florida Panthers win and a you know, a, a goal scored from one of their myriad of great goal scorers that they have there. Uh, you can put together some really cool and really fun stuff if you like to spread your bets out amongst the uh, the leagues there. Now, if you don't want to build your own same-game parlay, FanDuel Sportsbook offers some popular ones. They have a popular same game parlay section where you can essentially join the bets that other users are jumping on. Or they have people in the in the business, guys that are that are, you know, analysts for the NBA and for NHL and baseball that offer their same game parlays as well. You can jump in and you can jump in on all of those. You can take little pieces of them regardless. The great thing is, is you can bet your way. Put your card together the way that you want to and if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can make that a risk-free bet up to $1,000 by using my promo code DEAN. Now make every moment more. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Just use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over in present in Arizona. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non a site credit. Expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms to sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342. Now, we talked about yesterday <clears throat> that Tom Brady had been hired by Fox Sports to be the lead analyst when and if he <laughs> leaves the NFL at some point. He will be the uh, Fox Sports number one guy in the booth, the, the, uh, the color analyst, um, <clears throat> alongside Kevin Burkhart. Be a great, a great one-two tandem for Fox Sports uh, as they get ready to host two of the next three Super Bowls on Fox, which is great for them. They've got two of the next three. Now, it was reported yesterday that Tom Brady's contract was going to be a 10-year deal worth $375 million. He's never even done this job before. And Fox reportedly given him a 10-year contract at $375 million, $37.5 million a year to do a job that he's never even done before. Now, I think it's safe to say I think that we'd all we all believe that Tom will be very good at being an analyst. As I mentioned yesterday, I hope that he doesn't put his brand in front of you know being himself and essentially doing the job that is that is necessary to be done that you know, what the fans want the fans want to hear. They don't want to hear Tom Brady being a shill for his companies for his multiple companies or essentially kind of putting on a fake face. To make sure that those companies and his brand are being you know uh, I, I, you know i don't know what what you know contained if you will uh now the the c e o of uh of fox sports has basically said that's not that's not accurate the the the, the contract is not accurate Ten years, $375 million. We, we never We've never agreed to that. He says what's been reported isn't an accurate de- uh, description of the deal, and we've not, yet released the uh, details beyond what was disclosed on our quarterly earnings call. So maybe it's three hundred and thirty five million, maybe it's not, but I'm willing to bet it's somewhere in the neighborhood, which is still an exorbitant amount of money to be doing what I do, talking on a microphone for a living. I wish I got one eightieth of the amount of money that they 're offering Tom Brady, so it, it 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 begins to you begin to think about this now Fox Sports going to have the Super Bowl in two thousand twenty four okay that's their that's their, that's their that 's their job they 're going to be, they're going to have that Super Bowl there they 're going to be broadcasting it and tom brady is contract is void after this season if it 's a ten year deal for three hundred and twenty five million dollars. Do Giselle and the kids go to dad and say, dad, Tom, you're done. Like, stop this nonsense. We know that you have competitive desire. We understand this. You can try to fill that void by watching film of the teams that you're going to be preparing for as you get ready to broadcast the marquee game on Fox Sports every single week, and you'll be able to go to the practices and stuff because, remember, uh, before and, and they did a great job on the John Madden a documentary uh, just before he passed away uh, saying that he, you know, he changed the way analysts are are allowed access to the NFL teams before John Madden started doing color analysis work. The broadcasters would show up on Saturday, basically be sitting, sit in a meeting with uh, people who they were, you know, who were feeding them a bunch of information. And then they would go on the air Sunday and talk about the game. And John Madden is like, no, no, no. I need to be at practice. Like, I need to be at the practices of the teams. I want to talk to the coaches. I want to see them practice. And NFL was like, some of the teams were like, what? No, uh uh-uh, no. And other teams were like, yes, yeah, come see us practice. And it changed the way that we watch football. Changed the way that we have access to the things that these color analysts say. And there's a reason why watching a football game has become so much more rewarding than it was before because of the great work done by these uh, by these men who are hired to, to, you know, to essentially analyze the teams and the games. Now, Tom Brady will be able to fill that void on the field, I think, a little bit. He won't be able to obviously throw a football and play and compete for championships anymore. But I think, honestly, like, why would you continue to beat yourself up every single year, week in, week out, for $34 million, you know, by the time you're your bonuses are paid and all that kind of stuff, when you can just put on a suit, go watch some film, hang out with some coaches and some players, learn some things about their team, get some inside information, and then put on a headset on Sunday for three and a half hours and talk football and get paid $37.5 million to do it. It's a no-brainer. So, the the whole thing about Tom Brady playing another four years and maybe going to San Francisco because he's always wanted to play for the 49ers, the team that he grew up uh, rooting for, and all this, I think that's all done. I think this is Tom Brady's final year because of this specifically. I you know, I, I think I think Romo makes twenty million dollars a year for CBS. He's going to be making almost double what Tony Romo makes. How? How can you possibly justify to your family, to yourself, going out there and beating yourself up day in, day out, week in, week out for another NFL season to be paid less money than what you'd be making with a cushy job where you can be home four days a week running your other companies that you have, Tom Brady is invested in so greatly. It's a no-brainer. I think this is Tom Brady's last season. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he would play Anywhere beyond this, regardless of the success that he has or does not have this year, Tampa Bay will be good. I don't know if they're Super Bowl good, but they're going to be good. But I do believe this will be his last year because that that money is <laughs> wow. That was shocking yesterday, and like I said, it's it's being refuted by Fox. They're like, nope, that's not the that's not the contract we agreed to. But it's probably somewhere close. And if it's anywhere close to that, it might be more. <laughs> if it's anywhere close to that, he's done. Hang him up. Be done after this year. Play one more year. Have a swan song season. I I would be okay with it. I I would be fine. I don't don't mind him taking a victory lap. He's the greatest of all time. I don't mind it at all. Go do it, and then we'll see you on Sundays on the broadcast. All right, we're talking here on the Jeff Dean Show. We'll talk some NFL, more NFL. The sophomore slump is a real thing. I'll tell you some of the players who I think are due for a sophomore slump coming up next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. (laughs)
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, talking some NFL as we do here every single day on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you that we will talk NFL, regardless of season, every single day here we talked about tom brady and his broadcast potential broadcast contract and there were some pretty good rookies in the nfl last year some uh, look actually some you know, some really good ones i mean obviously guys like jamar chase who were just absolutely insane and it, at times he was unguardable uh, in the passing game for the cincinnati bengals in their run to the super bowl the number 5 overall pick broke the rookie record of receiving yards at 1,455 receiving yards, breaking Justin Jefferson's record from the previous year. He was spectacular. Micah Parsons as predicted okay, right here on this show, I thought he was going to be a playmaker and a difference maker from day one. He went to the Cowboys and he showed that he is even more of a disruption uh, to, uh, to opposing offenses than we even thought he would be. There were some surprises. I think Rayshon Slater was a surprise. Creed Humphrey was one of the best offensive linemen in the entire league last year, and he was a rookie uh, at the center position for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. There were some other surprises. Guys like Mac Jones, I think, performed a little bit better than a lot of people thought that he would. And there were some disappointments. Justin Fields being a huge disappointment, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, I think that, you know, in, in certain ways, Zach Wilson was a disappointment because he was just – at times so ungodly bad in games with the New York Jets. So it got me thinking, like, who who are some of the players that I think will experience a sophomore slump, and who are some of the players who will be able to escape that trend? Now, a few of the players I just mentioned, I don't think Jamar Chase is going anywhere because he's got a great quarterback throwing him the football. I don't think Jamar Chase has a down year. I don't think you will see a, a sophomore slump. From Jamar Chase, I think he'll just continue right on where he's going. Micah Parsons, I mean, <laughs> what's what's he what's going to happen that would make him worse? Okay, he's he's the best Swiss Army knife in the entire NFL, and he's only going to get better. I think a guy like Kyle Pitts, who had a great year last year, okay, it was only the uh, the second tight end in NFL history to have a thousand yards receiving in in his rookie season. The other one was Mike Ditka, by the way. That's going back a ways. Now he's got Marcus Mariota throwing him the football as opposed to Matt Ryan. So I think that'll just kind of be a product of the Atlanta Falcons not being able to get him the football. Another guy like Jalen Waddle, who had a, you know, had a really good season, 104 catches last year as a rookie, which is insane. Now they bring in Tyreek Hill. Do his numbers suffer a little bit? Maybe. Will he be a better player for it, though? I think so. I think that Jalen Waddle will have a, a, a little bit more, less impact, but more bang for his buck in what they get out of him in Miami this year. So who are some of the guys that are in situations right now or, or that, that are in, in a position to have that sophomore slump? I'm going to begin with Justin Fields. And, again, I'm not hating on Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields as a, as, a, as a football player. He's a great athlete. He's got a lot to learn in this league. I watched him at Ohio State, and yes, he was able to make the right decisions at Ohio State and make some really big plays in the passing game because he had five receivers that all went to the NFL, and they were all wide freaking open. <laughs> you watch Ohio State games, there were guys that were standing there in the passing game that nobody was within 10 yards of. It was really easy for him. And then when it got time to crunch time, he wasn't he wasn't good in the in the in the red zone. You know these are things that I talk about, third and obvious, fourth and obvious type of passing downs, red zone plays, and how good are they off schedule? Now Justin Fields is great off schedule because he's such a great athlete, but in college, in those other two metrics, he wasn't very good. And last year in his first year in the NFL, it was a roller coaster season had some uh, had some dings. You know got got beat up a little bit, and that's. A lot of you know a lot in part due to the the Chicago Bears and how bad they were. He's got nobody to throw the football to. He's got no protection. Who knows what the coaching is going to be like this year? So, I think that Justin Fields is is absolutely due for a, a sophomore slump, if you want to call it a slump. Last year wasn't a great year, anyways. I think he has another year of subpar performances, and again, it's not going to be wholly his fault. That team is not constructed very well. Offensively, they're a mess. But at some point, if you're going to be a great quarterback, you can elevate the play of marginal players and turn them into really good players. Another guy who I think, and this, this may not be fair because we didn't expect anything out of him, and he plays for a horrible organization. But Davis Mills, uh, Houston Texans quarterback, his final five games of, of the season last year were really, really good. Like, when you when you look at what Davis Mills did uh, in the final five games last year, he had a 68.4 completion percentage. He had a 9-2 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio and a passer rating of 102.4 in the final five games of the season. He really came on. When a lot of teams eh, didn't bother dealing with the Houston Texans, now they did have – they got into a little bit of a fight with the, the Indianapolis Colts late in the season last year, which ended up being a death knell for Indy. Um, But, again, a team that doesn't have a whole lot of of weapons for him to throw the football to. And I don't think we expect a whole lot out of Davis Mills, but I do not think this will be a breakout season for Davis Mills. So I'm going to put him on the sophomore slump list. One of the guys, I had a hard time deciding on where I wanted to put Mac Jones because he did have such an impressive first season. With the New England Patriots. What does his second season look like? I think it's going to be, honestly, I think it's going to be difficult for him to back up what he did in year one. So if you're not progressing, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a, a regression, so to speak. But if you're not moving forward, then you might as well be moving backwards. And I don't think that Mac Jones takes the next step forward. I don't know what that next step forward is for Mac Jones. I don't think that Mac Jones has already hit his ceiling, but I think he's a lot closer than other players on this list. And because of that, I think that his sophomore season will be underwhelming. Trevor Lawrence is the wild card here because you have to throw out his first season. Like, we shouldn't even count anything that happened in year one for Trevor Lawrence or for anybody in that Jacksonville Jaguars organization for that matter. They have gone out. They have made upgrades at wide receiver. Some people think that they spent a little too much on Christian Kirk. I'm not the decider of that, so I'm not going to say. They certainly uh, tilted the market with the number that they gave Christian Kirk. Can't, can't deny that, but I'm not going to say they overspent for him. Okay. I think Trevor Lawrence is in a situation now where we're looking at almost his rookie season because he finally has an adult at the helm uh, in Doug Peterson there in Jacksonville. They have built – some real good pieces around him. I think his uh pass protection is going to be a lot better this year and he'll have a couple more weapons to throw the football to. So I think we treat this as a rookie season for Trevor Lawrence and I think he'll be fantastic. I I I believe I believe in in Trevor Lawrence probably as much as anybody does. I really like Trevor Lawrence. And now a couple of the other rookie quarterbacks. I I previously mentioned Zach Wilson. The, the, the Jets have been a train wreck. They've been a dumpster fire offensively for the last decade. They went out and made some upgrades. They got Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. They got C.J. Uzuma and Tyler Conklin at the tight end position. They went out and got Brees Hall from Iowa State, the, the really, really talented uh, running back. They've upgraded their offensive line. The defensive, defensively, they're going to be better as Robert Sala continues to, to inflict his will on the defensive side of that ball. So I think coaching is really, really good for Zach Wilson as well. And as much of a wild card as he is, a, a gunslinger, he's you know he's like a diminutive version of Brett Favre, I think Zach Wilson has a good season this year, and I think he's ready for a sophomore breakout. Now, there's a lot of things about his game that I don't like. He's a little bit of a, of a showman, a little bit of a show-off, and I think if they can get that in check, bring him back down to reality a little bit, I think you'll see a, a reinvigorated Zach Wilson, I think, a guy who's who's going to play well this year. And then Trey Lance, who essentially did not have a rookie season. He only played in six games. He started in two, one of which he got hurt in. He is most likely going to be the starting quarterback on day one for the San Francisco 49ers as he replaces Jimmy Garoppolo in a team that has Super Bowl aspirations every single year under Kyle Shanahan. They've got a disgruntled wide receiver in Debo Samuel. They've got a, a, a blossoming but still somewhat raw brandon Ayuk, who still makes plenty of mistakes there they've got george kittle one of the most dependable tight ends however has been injured a little bit in the last couple of seasons and they do have a very good offensive line coming back for for them as well and of course a fantastic run game as they always have under kyle shanahan and kyle Shanahan's always able to work magic with quarterbacks and i think even though there's a lot of things about his game that are that are, there There are question marks about, his accuracy, uh, whether he throws a catchable football or not. There's, he's got some wobble to his throw a little bit. I think it's because he grips the ball too hard, to be honest with you, um, and that tends to happen. I believe all that will get coached out of him, and I think Trey Lance is ready for a, a breakout season for the 49ers. It may not be a huge season. He may end up being more of a game management type of quarterback in his first year, but I do not think that there's any kind of a slump in place for trey lance i think that team wins football games this year with him at the helm i really i really do i think they're nine plus wins with trey lance in a, in a 17 game season nine plus so those are just some of the some of the thoughts that i had those are mainly quarterbacks i know uh but they're the ones that have the biggest influence on the outcomes of games and i think the ones that are under the microscope the most obviously coming off of their rookie season all right we're going to take a time out when i return I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to give you fantasy nerds a, a little insight here on a player that I think is going to have a breakout season in their sophomore year. The guy that I did not mention, he's not a quarterback, but a guy that I think will benefit from having a new quarterback on his team. Javante Williams, running back for the Denver Broncos. Now, if you if you watched Broncos football, if you watched him play last year, the guy is is a he, he, he gets behind his pads and he runs through people he does not care who's in front of him he is a violent runner i love watching him run to football he was great last year in fact so much so so violent that he led the entire league last year in missed tackles uh that uh, missed tackles per per rush essentially he was a beast for the broncos last year and we've seen just how good that style of runner can do when Russell Wilson is his quarterback. Because you just there's a lot of things in place. Not only do you have a very good down-the-field thrower, but you have to be able to account for Russell Wilson getting outside the tackle box and creating. So you have to spread your defense out a little bit. Javante Williams, between the tackles, running people over and running through tackles, I think he's dead. I'm telling you right now, folks. It stays healthy because is a running back position. You always got to worry about that. He stays healthy. He may lead the NFL in rushing next year. He is he is that violent of a runner, and with a resurgence on offense with a new quarterback, I think it things are just going to open up for him even that much more. He let the NFL in enforced missed tackles last year. That's a, that's a huge. Look, Derek Henry is in the league for God's sakes. I know he missed a bunch of games. So he probably would have won that if he had played all 17. But I love—I think Javante Williams is one of those guys as a sophomore this year, going to have a huge season. Not to mention, he's probably going to improve his game in, in the in the catching game in the passing game. Right, these young guys always get better when they come into the league and learn how to integrate themselves into the NFL passing game as running backs. So I'm telling you right now, that kid is going to be really. Really good this season. As is Denver. I, I'm not. I'm making. I'm not making my picks right now. We got a long ways to go before that. But I'm really liking Denver a lot, a lot, a lot. All right, that is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio. Good to have her back in. Appreciate all the hard work she does and pushing all the buttons there and keeping us on the air here. And of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in today from seven to nine. Tune in for today from three to six. For Spears and I'll leave their afternoon shows. They do a great job there. And I will see you guys again tomorrow morning right here at 7 a.m. for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.